Welcome back to another episode of Reluctant Psalm Podcast with Chris. Welcome to May 22nd. Today we're going to talk about Anderson Valley, and also we'll probably talk about uh, a little bit of life. Never know. We'll see how things go. So to start the podcast today, I kind of wanted to dive into a specific winery or a group of uh, wineries, um, and then dive into a wine that I had recently that I think is really exceptional and I'd highly recommend. So today we'll start off talking about Dan and Margaret Duckhorn. So Dan and Margaret Duckhorn are a couple that opened their first winery in 1976, Duckhorn Winery, uh, if you couldn't have guessed that. Um, The Duckhorn Winery was first opened by Dan and Margaret, um, and the winemaker that kind of helped them get everything set up was Tom Rinaldi, who's a really famous winemaker, uh, famous for pioneering Duckhorn and kind of getting it to be known as it is. Uh, previously, um, before Duckhorn, Tom worked for Freemark Abbey, um, but he's kind of the guy that got Duckhorn the fame behind their Three Palms Merlot, as well as their um, Stag's Leap and Howell Mountain Cabernets. Uh, the current winemaker is Renee Ari. Um, she's been with Duckhorn since 2003, uh, but has um, been head winemaker since 2014. Um so Duckhorn being founded in 1976 was one of the first 40 Napa wineries um, to be established. So they've been around for a long time and, and have obviously had many winemakers, but some of the more famous um, producers that have come through their doors and have worked with them are Tom Rinaldi, as I said, uh, who's been making wine um, for over 45 years, and Mark Berenger, um, Behringer, the name obviously should stick out to you. Behringer Winery, he is now the uh, head winemaker at Behringer Winery. But um, the Behringer family, well, Mark Behringer in particular, kind of took an old world approach to becoming a winemaker at your family's winery. Um, Oftentimes you see in the old world that um, if you're a child and you're raised and your family has a winery, that you often will um, go to other wineries and make wine at other wineries and kind of learn and see what other people are doing and experience some things. We talked recently about a Muscadet producer who went to South Africa and started making wine in South Africa and then came home and started helping his dad uh, produce wine. So oftentimes people will go throughout the world and and participate in um, harvests or participate in um, winemaking and uh, experience some of the alternative terroirs that there are in the world. So Mark Berenger is famous for now being the head winemaker at um, Berenger Winery, uh, but he worked at Arteza and uh, Benziger before, um, and when he was at uh, Duckhorn, he actually worked his way up to vice president of winemaking. Um, So he was with them for quite a long time and and really earned his keep. So besides Duckhorn Winery being responsible for their Three Palms Merlot, their Stag's Leap Cab, some of their more well-known things... You've seen Duckhorn probably around um, Sauvignon Blanc and their Merlot are kind of a little more prominent. Not the Three Palms Merlot, but just their regular Merlot. Um, There is retail presence, but I don't really think this is one of those wines that was greatly affected by retail presence where they kind of sold their um, quality for a higher production. So aside from Duckhorn, they're also responsible for the production of any wines that come from the winery Migration, Canvasback. Calera, Goldeneye, Decoy, and Paradox. So they are pretty established and, and pretty prominent um, winemaking family. 
So the wine that I wanted to talk about today uh, that I had an opportunity to try yesterday was uh, GoldenEye. So GoldenEye is pretty famous for their Pinot Noirs, um, and their Pinot Noirs are phenomenal. Um, but most of their, all of GoldenEye's production comes from Anderson Valley. So the wine that I tried yesterday was a 2013 GoldenEye Brut Rosé from Anderson Valley. The current vintage on this wine is 2016, so it had a little bit of age on it, but it didn't really show that much. Um, the 2017 is the current vintage for their Pinot Noir, but this Brut Rosé was made from their Pinot Noir and their Chardonnay. Um, it was really, really delicious. Um, another time that the wine was given to me by my head Psalm, and he said, it might be really good, give it a try, which is always a great indicator that it's probably going to be uh, really good. Um, so the wine had this really beautiful minerality uh, to it, but it wasn't an overbearing amount. It had a nice level of apple and blood orange and honeydew and hazelnut. It was a really beautiful, complex wine. Um, it was really uh, phenomenal wine, well-rounded, um, a little sweeter than I would have expected for a Brut Rosé from Anderson Valley, but um, still really exceptional. The blend was 67% Pinot Noir and 33% uh, Chardonnay. In later episodes, I'll go over the difference between um, Charmant method and traditional method, and we can kind of get into the difference between Proseccos and Champagnes and California sparkling wines. And But until then, I kind of just wanted to focus on Anderson Valley um, and also give a shout out to uh, the winemaker. Um, so the current winemaker is uh, Katie Larwood. Uh, I have had an opportunity to try the 2016 vintage of the GoldenEye Brut Rosé. It is exceptional. The 2013 is exceptional as well. That's the one that I had. Um, but Katie Larkwood um, is now the head winemaker uh, for GoldenEye. She was the assistant winemaker in 2016. So um, be excited to see some uh, new vintages coming from her. And also, if you order anything from GoldenEye right now, they're doing $5 shipping. So if you wanted to order a bottle of the Pinot Noir or a bottle of the Brut Rosé or any of their wines, um, it's $5 for shipping. Uh, as we know, um, COVID-19 is causing wineries and restaurants to kind of branch out into uh, areas that they're not incredibly familiar with um, and offer really amazing deals. There's a lot of wineries doing $1 shipping for cases of uh, 12 bottles or more, um, but $5 shipping is really um, inexpensive, especially for really great wine um, that you normally would not be able to find in a grocery store. So, uh, on to Anderson Valley, which is where this wine is produced. Anderson Valley is an AVA, or an American Viticultural Area, that was founded in 1983. Um, it's a sub-appellation of the North Coast AVA. So, uh, the wine region is in Mendocino County, um, and the, Mendocino County has is, is really kind of become a hot pocket recently. It's, it's really taking off, and it's becoming really well known for um, some really amazing wines. So within Mendocino, there's 10 AVAs. So you've got the North Coast AVA, much larger. You've got the Mendocino County. And then within Mendocino County is Anderson Valley. So the wine is from California, from North Coast, from Mendocino, uh, from Anderson Valley. So quite specific, not exactly single vineyard, but a lot of really great expression coming from this wine because it is all from one area. Um, so all of the grapes experienced similar climate and all of the grapes have similar soil types, not exactly the same. As I've said before, if 
you're a block away, it could be a totally different soil composition. So I don't want to get too precise with these, but a really phenomenal wine-producing region, Anderson Valley. Uh, they're known for their Pinot Noirs and their sparkling wines. So their Pinot Noir, GoldenEye, was one of the first Pinot Noirs that I ever had. Uh, as I said, GoldenEye is a, a sub-company of Duckhorn, um, and I've always really enjoyed Duckhorn Merlot, especially their Three Palms. But um, GoldenEye is really fantastic, a great uh, expression of um, Anderson Valley Pinot Noirs. So the reason that they're really well known for their Pinot Noirs and their sparkling wines is, is because that's what they do best. They grow a lot of other varietals. Um, they're actually known for producing a lot of uh, Alsatian varietals like Riesling, Gewurztraminer, and Pinot Grigio, uh, Pinot Gris, I'm sorry. But um, they're also, they're, the, the reason that they do so well uh, with these grapes is because of their diurnal shift. So diurnal shift, without getting too geeky, is the um, temperature range within uh, a day that can take place from morning to day or day to night. So the diurnal shift in Anderson Valley is 40 to 50 degrees. So to kind of put that into perspective, I spent 10 years in Texas and the humidity humidity was really great. Helped me know that if it was going to be hot all day, it was going to be hot at night. But if you've ever been somewhere, uh, California, inland California, I see this a lot in the desert and, and in Vegas also, it could be 110 during the day and it could be 60 at night or 70 at night. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about diurnal shift. Now, the Anderson Valley doesn't normally crack the hundreds in degrees, uh, but having a very um, extreme diurnal shift can stress the grapes, and the stress on the grapes can cause um, some really great complexities to come into the wine. So the Anderson Valley is about 100 miles north of San Francisco, so where I'm at. And actually, I spent a little time in Mendocino, and I drove through Anderson Valley, and on my way through Anderson Valley, I stopped at uh, Madrone's. And the Madrone's is, they call it a compound, but it's kind of like a hotel. Uh, they have a brick fire um, pizza restaurant, and they also have three wineries tasting rooms there. So the three wineries that they have there are Drew Winery, Long Meadow Ranch, and Smith Story. Now, some of the other famous wineries or more well-known wineries that come out of Anderson Valley that you may be familiar with um, aside from Drew, Goldeneye, uh, Longmeadow Ranch, and Smith Story, all of the ones I've already listed, are also Meyer, uh, Penny Royal, Scharfenberger, and then Rotor. Now, if you've heard of Rotor before, you may be thinking of Cristal. Um, now, Cristal is produced by the Rotor family, uh, the Maison Louis Rotor, uh, but they actually own quite a bit of other um, properties. So Rotor is really known for their California Anderson Valley sparkling wine, their rosé, L'Hermitage. They were really kind of one of the great pioneers to um, drive the sparkling wine category in this region. Um, now when you think of Maison Louis Rotor, you may be thinking of just kind of a uh, sparkling wine producer, but they actually also own uh, Chateau de Pez and um, uh, Chateau Pichon Lalande, which is uh, two great Bordeaux producers. So they aren't exclusively familiar with Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, also, this year they bought Diamond Creek, which is a really famous um, uh, winery. And last year they bought Mary Edwards, which was a, a very famous uh, Pinot Noir producer coming from Sebastopol. The winery is located in Sebastopol. And also she was very well known for her Sauvignon Blanc. Um, most of the vintages that are available right now and for the f 
for the next few years will still be made by Mary Edwards and made by Diamond Creek, but for the most part after that, you'll be seeing a lot of more hands-on uh, approach from the Rotor winery. Um, there's also, beyond the wineries that are located within the Anderson Valley, there's a lot of wineries that are harvesting their grapes from Anderson Valley or um, contracting their grapes from Anderson Valley. Uh, so Litteri is one of my favorite. Um, Litteri is a really great producer, um, a little more on the expensive side, but still a really remarkable Pinot Noir. Uh, the Savoy Vineyard is what they're the most well known for. Oh, the Savoy Vineyard is considered one of the better vineyards in Anderson Valley, and Litteri has a Savoy Vineyard Pinot Noir that's it's really exceptional. There's some other wineries like Costa Brown, Cake Bread, Pay, um, that harvest some grapes from Anderson Valley, um, but that aren't located in Anderson Valley. Similar to Litteri, they're located elsewhere. Um, and and a shout out to Drew, when I went to the Madrones, and I went to these tasting rooms, I went to Longmeadow Ranch and I went to Drew. Unfortunately, Smith's story was closed that day, otherwise I would have been more than happy to go there. I had the opportunity to try two really incredible things. Um, Fog Eater Pinot Noir, which is uh, one of their more well-known Pinot Noirs that they produce, which is really exceptional. And they also make a cider. And the cider that they're making was coming from apples. Um, really fantastic. They sell it in a bomber. Now, for anybody that's not familiar with beer terminology, a bomber is about a 25-ounce bottle. So it's essentially the same size as a bottle of wine, um, but a cider being a fruit-based beer. So really, really fun um, product coming from a winery. I had an opportunity uh, to buy a few bottles. I tried it there. It was great. I tried it a few months later. It was awesome. And then I tried it about nine months after I bought it, and it was still really good, still aged really exceptionally. So Anderson Valley um, used to be kind of looked at as a pit stop along the way to the coast. Um, but I think now, given their... Um, being more well-known for making wine, are becoming more of a destination. So when you think of Napa and you think of Sonoma and you think of going to Napa or Sonoma, you think of all the beautiful restaurants and all the beautiful hotels. And not to say that there aren't any in Anderson Valley, there are, but um, as far as the evolution of the town, it's a, it's a little behind um, in comparison to places like Napa and Sonoma. So it's up Highway 128, which would drop you right off on the coast of California. Um, and it's, you know, it's, you blink and you miss it. It's 15 miles, I think, is is how far it is um, when you're driving past it on the highway and you go through a few little towns. The Madrones, which I'd highly recommend stopping in and getting some lunch and tasting some wine, is in Philo. Um, but yeah, the, the wines that are produced in Anderson Valley, if you have an opportunity to find some, um, at your local grocery store, you're ordering some on, online, or again, you're going to a bottle shop and you ask the person working at the bottle shop um, if they have a recommendation for an Anderson Valley sparkling wine or an Anderson Valley Pinot Noir, um, might be something worth tasting. Uh, again, they um, have produced some really great um, international varietals, uh, such as Riesling, Gewürztraminer, Pinot Gris. Um, so it used to be called the um, International Alsace Varietals Festival, uh, but it's now known as the Winter White Wine Festival because they're growing a little bit more beyond Riesling, Gewürztraminer, and Pinot Gris. So Alsace is a small appellation in France um, that 
it will cover on another podcast, but um, Alsatian varietals are generally Riesling, Gewürztraminer, and Pinot Gris. Um, so again, beyond Pinot Noir and beyond sparkling wines, which are generally their sparkling wines, which are generally made from Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, um, Anderson Valley is known for more beyond that, but the sparkling wine and Pinot Noir is really kind of what brought them to um, the forefront of uh, the wine industry. In general, the styles of Pinot Noir that they produce are, are fairly restrained. They're a leaner style um, when it comes to like Napa or Sonoma Pinot Noir. Um, not to say that Napa and Sonoma Pinot Noirs can't be lean and can't be restrained, but uh, in general, they're a little bit more fruit present. Um, again, Anderson Valley wines are a little bit more savory. Uh, generally, the alcohol level is a little lower, which kind of makes the wine a little bit uh, more palatable uh, and it lets the uh, herbal notes out a little bit more and and the um, the uh, savoriness. A little bit of leather, a little bit of tobacco, but nothing nothing crazy. Um, so the wines are really, really food friendly. Um, so the wine that I had, the 2013 Golden Eye Brut Rosé from Anderson Valley, um, I had with a Japanese curry. So I went to Japantown here in San Francisco and I bought just a little box, a cheater box of a Japanese curry mix. Uh, and I mixed chicken, potatoes, and carrots together in a pot, sauteed them, boiled them, added the mix, mixed it together. And it was really delicious. I got the hot uh, version of the curry, um, because I knew that this wine would not have, uh, a lot of residual sugar, but have a, a little bit of a sweetness to it. Um, and it was really, really good. Uh, especially when I finished the meal with, uh, some fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. So, uh, the wine was really great, super food friendly. Um, I've bought a few bottles of Drew before in the past. Uh, the Fog Eater again is, is really delicious. The 15 and the 16 were both exceptional. Um, but if you haven't had anything from Anderson Valley, I, I highly recommend it. Um, so within talking about that, uh, going to Drew and having a chance to try their cider and also going to Longmeadow Ranch and having a chance to try some of their uh, late harvest wines, I wanted to take a moment today to talk a little bit about tasting rooms versus restaurant and retail availabilities. So I am guilty of this in the past for not wanting to go to a particular winery if when I was on the distribution side, I had a competitor that sold those wines. In my head, I told myself that those wines weren't as good, and that's why I needed to sell my wines to people. And oftentimes, as a salesperson, you're convincing people as to why this wine is maybe not as good as the wine that you represent. So... um before I've I've put in my head that maybe you know I don't want to stop at a particular winery or I don't want to go to a particular tasting room, and there's still some some thought of that in my head uh, when I think of some of the uh, large scale production wineries that don't make a lot of uh, really great small production wines. Um, they're generally places that I don't look forward to visiting. If I was going to go to Napa or Sonoma, I would probably look for something a little more esoteric or a little bit more something uh, under the radar. But if I was in in California wine country and I was going to go to a winery, I would love to go to Behringer. Uh, as I said, Mark Behringer is a, a really well-known um, uh, winemaker. Uh, but the Behringer family has been making Quantum and Luminous and Knights Valley and Knights Valley Reserve. 
Um, they have all of these really great wines that are kind of like an upper echelon to their their entry tier wines, which again, their entry tier wines serve their place. Uh, those wines are what get people into wine. Behringer White Zinn used to be something that was always in our cabinet at the house, and it was always something that got drank, and and it was always something that was enjoyed. Um, and again, through that, through watching um, my mother drink Behringer White Zinfandel, I saw her gradually start drinking other wines and trying other wines, and then they became lovers of wine, and uh, I also became a lover of wine. Um, so if you ever have an opportunity to go to a winery or go to a tasting room, I'd highly recommend it. The reason I'd recommend it is because oftentimes when you go to these tasting rooms, you'll see things that you don't ever see or don't often see in a restaurant or in a retail place, So, or even boutique bottle shops. So if you have an opportunity to go to these tasting rooms, go in, try the tastings, and then ask questions. And, and oftentimes, they'll have other wines open. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Dutton Goldfield um, about six or seven months ago. I went up there and I tasted some wine and I let them know that I was in the service industry. And then I had the opportunity to try their Un Oak Chardonnay, which was not part of their tasting lineup. And the Un Oak Chardonnay was exceptional. It was really, really delicious. Um, it really stood out to me. I bought a few bottles. And uh, it's still, to this day, one of my favorite Un Oak California Chardonnays. Um, but I would never have known about that unless I had gone to the winery because the only thing I had been exposed to before was uh, Dutton and Goldfield Pinot Noir, which is what they're well known for, but it's not the only thing they do. When you expose yourself to um, more wines from a particular winery, you can really kind of open your mind a little bit more and, and, uh, and take in the fact that these wineries aren't as limited as, as you may think they are. Um, again, inexpensive wines have their place, but but beyond that, if you've only ever had Duckhorn Merlot or you've only ever had Duckhorn Sauvignon Blanc and you haven't had an opportunity to try any of their other wines, then you're missing out because these wines are great and these wineries are great and the people that make these wines believe in them. And, and I still think to this day, especially in Anderson Valley, that... 95, 99% of the wineries and the winemakers truly believe in their wine and are making the wine because it's something that they love and it's something that they think will communicate their love for the wine to the person consuming the wine. So if you're ever just looking at a bottle and you've had a wine from a particular winery and, and you've not had this particular varietal, I'd say give it a shot. Um, have an open mind, try the wine. There's been plenty of times that I wasn't uh, a huge fan of, let's say, a Cabernet from a particular um, vineyard or a particular winemaker, but then I've tried their Merlot and it's exceptional, or Zinfandel or, or however. Plenty of times I've tried Lodi Zins that I wasn't a huge fan of, and plenty of times I've tried Lodi Zins that I was crazy about. Um, so a lot of times beyond the old world mindset that a grape from a region will taste a certain way, um, the winemakers themselves can really have a um, stark uh, difference in the production of the wine. Um, the wine can taste like no other Merlot you've ever tried or no other Pinot Noir you've ever tried, but there's plenty of times that I've been proven wrong and, uh, 
as I've said before, I really love being proven wrong, uh, especially if I can uh, wash down my shame with a beautiful glass of Brut Rosé. Um, so that just about covers it for today. Uh, if anybody has anything that they want me to cover in any future episodes, please feel free to send me an email at thereluctantsom at gmail.com, or you can also find me on Instagram at reluctantsom. Um, look forward to hearing from you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Cheers.